Based on the David Morrell book of the same name, First Blood stars Sylvester Stallone as John Rambo, a wandering Vietnam veteran who runs afoul of small-town sheriff Will Teasel, played by Brian Dennehy. But when Rambo's brief detainment and subsequent escape into a nearby forest results in the death of one of the sheriff's deputies, Teasel starts a vendetta he can barely control. Standing between Teasel and Rambo is Colonel Troutman, played by Richard Crenna, who promises the sheriff that with his participation, Rambo can be compelled to surrender without any more bloodshed. But Teasel refuses Troutman's advice, and during the manhunt that follows, Rambo's command of guerrilla warfare is on full display, as one by one he dispatches the feeble National Guardsmen sent to track him down, using improvised weapons and found materials in ways that make First Blood a foundational and influential film in the genre, and catapulted Stallone into an action film legend. By the end of the film, Sheriff Teasel is shot, the town of Hope is in flames, and Troutman escorts his broken creation into custody. Make sure you have a good supply of body bags for today's Friendly Fire. It's 1982's Ted Kotcheff-directed post-Vietnam war film and arguably not a war film, First Blood. You're listening to Friendly Fire. A hey, war that's movie. my job. A war movie podcast hosted by three cowards talking about bravery. I'm Adam Franica. I totally wrote an intro for this week, and uh, now I feel terrible. Let's hear it. I think everybody should give an intro. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to Friendly Fire. It's a show where we decide what is a war movie and what is a snore movie. I'm Ben Harrison. Boo! <laughs> Uh, it appears we don't have a winner yet. <laughs> Today we watched 1982's post-Vietnam War classic, First Blood. This was the subject of some debate, right? Like, was was this even eligible to be a movie we review? Yeah, I was in the uh, I was in the camp that First Blood barely qualifies as a war movie if first blood is a war movie then it opens up a whole lot of options for our program to uh <laughs> to have movies that aren't aren't strictly war movies and i guess in in that case i support it it does in its defense have a tracking shot of a bunch of guys with m16s and ponchos walking up the wash of a of a uh, of a waterway which it does you know, legally you're required to have one of those. That's yeah. right. That's a very classic war movie set. It's about the war in a lot of ways. Yeah, John, I, did well, you see this movie in the theater? So I did. I'm I'm uh, probably of the three of us the rare person that not only saw the movie in the theater, but read the novel before the movie came out. Cool. Whoa. So, <laughs> First Blood, the novel was making the rounds in um in the junior high <laughs> and uh and I was one of the you know I was one of the the more literate 8th graders and so read the book before the film came out so I was already pre-disappointed in the film because <laughs> the book the book is a lot uh more 
violent. I mean, it's uh, if that if that could even be given how violent the film is. But, it, you know, people actually a lot of people die in the book. And, and yeah, in the book version, people. Rambo kills all the cops and then and kills himself at the end, right? Yeah, dies at the end. No, doesn't kill himself, is killed by Troutman. Oh, like mercy killing style? Like execu- executioner, yeah, shotgun to the head. Wow. Everybody dies in the end except Troutman. And Troutman's a real villain in the book. So the inciting incident in this movie is that Sheriff Teasel gets uh, gets a, an eyeful of John Rambo walking down the, the main drag of his little one-horse town. Uh, thinks he's kind of a like a an undesirable type and wants to get rid of him. And uh, there is a scene where he makes a comment about the flag on Rambo's jacket that I did not understand. You know, wearing that flag on that jacket, looking the way you do, you're asking for trouble around here, friend. Is 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 he saying like we are we're no patriots here, or we're not into? people who have been to the war here or is there something about that particular flag patch that is signifying something i am unaware of well i thought teasel just embodied the general anti-vietnam war veteran position and saw john rambo as the embodiment of that of that war and teasel himself being like a korean war veteran i thought that that tension right away was about his opposition, both in terms of the war that they fought, but also in terms of like the reception they received back at home. Like when you're a veteran, you can spot another veteran, right? And know exactly what war they were from. Is that not something that happens? Is that not what happens here? That was a really interesting moment very early on in the film. And I really chewed on it at the time because first of all, the flag that's on the front of his jacket is not a military issue patch it's the u.s flag but it's it's waving in the wind rather than you know it's the waving in the wind model of flag rather than the square military issue Mm -hmm. and my sense of it given what i remember of the temperature of the time was that teasel was saying that that flag was confrontational that having it on that jacket was in that position was some kind of gesture. He was reading it as a gesture on Rambo's part and that the people in the town would also, that that in 1970, whenever this film was supposed (laughs) to be 79, that a guy with long hair in an army jacket with a flag on the front was saying something. And I couldn't figure out what exactly it was, whether it was, whether Teasel took that flag to be ironic and didn't, Hmm didn't register that Rambo was actually not wearing it ironically. You know what I mean? Mm. Like Rambo had the flag there because the, because USA America is the only thing he knows. And Teasel saw it as some kind of hippie middle finger because, because Teasel and his crew were definitely did not give any impression of being like, we don't like you veterans around here. Teasel's got his military medals framed on his desk. And he has a, his own flag patch on his jacket in that scene. So it was, I don't know, it, it confused me. And, and I guess I guess the way that I wind up reading it is they're not really aware that Rambo is a veteran. It seems like when they're when they're processing him in the in the tank, it kind of comes as a surprise to them that he has dog tags that actually indicate that he saw some service. 
Yeah, and and that dog tag scene where they where um where Detective Caruso uh, <laughs> reaches for his dog tags and he 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 bats him away. It also had had that feeling of like because at the time wearing dog tags was a fashion statement. I mean, I had dog tags in grade school. Um, it was yeah. Kind- you go down to the mall and you uh, tell them your name and <laughs> yeah, some, right. Like, nonsense information. <laughs> So I had that shit. When he did, grabbed... you wear Hot Topic dog tags, or did you wear your dad's dog tags? Who are you talking uh, to I... right now? I'm talking to John Roderick. <laughs> there was no Hot Topic. Uh huh. <laughs> in 1978. Now I'm talking to Ben Harrison. <laughs> uh, I believe I had both, and because my dad did have dog tags, but I liked the ones. From the mall because they had a rubber rim and were therefore silent against your chest, mm. uh, which was uh, which appealed to the um, the part of me that desired to be a covert operative. Sure. Well, when you're when you're on the playground in middle school, I mean that's what's called the shit. That's known as the shit to a middle you schooler. You got to stay quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's a quiet little town. In fact, you might say it's boring. When he picks him up in the through the town and drives him out to the edge of town and says, keep moving, it did feel like if he had been just slightly more of a, of a decent cop and had said, let me buy you a sandwich and take you to the bus station or something instead of like, I ask the questions around here right. uh, type of attitude that he could have averted the whole problem. This is the thing that made the movie almost in equal parts about Teasel than it is about Rambo, which is like, it's about Teasel's weakening grasp of his sort of heroic vision of himself and as the leader of his town. Like a guy walks into his town who is more decorated than he is, who is more youthful and less doughy, like who who could like just by standing there snatch his town away from him. I thought the threat posed by John Rambo to Teasel was enough of a reason for him to want to get him out of there citing for vagrancy notwithstanding have you ever been cited for vagrancy john uh never well let me see i've definitely been so i've been woken up with a billy club many times one time sleeping uh on the platform in grand central station you know kind of wraps the arm of the park bench with his billy club Mm -hmm. and says not the fucking hilton (laughs) <laughs> uh one time similar situation sleeping in um in Victor Steinbrook Park here in Seattle some cops come along wrap the bench with their with their billy clubs one time a guy with a high pressure water hose woke me up by spraying the water like just a few inches from where it would start to sp- like hose me just kind of like Ooh. he just had he brought it right up to where it was sizzling my hair can't sleep here. But no one's ever like taken me down and booked me for vagrancy. That seems like a that seems like a real stretch. You'd have to be real bored that day. I was sleeping on a park bench in Switzerland one time when a couple of cops tried to wake me up and I disassembled their guns while uh while disarming them. Nice move. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. it was cool. I didn't even know I had it in me. <laughs> The people who work with Teasel are sort of divided along some lines. There's the Galt figure who is like even more of an antagonist than Teasel himself. And then there's like sort of the chaotic neutral character of David Caruso, who is just sort of along for the ride and seems to play both sides 
they got to process him and clean him up. And they all take different roles, right? You got to fingerprint him. You got to shave him. You got to get to do all this processing and very disappointing that there was no delousing powder in that scene yeah yeah they they didn't even bother with the powder before they hit him with the hose and that's when they noticed all of the 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 torture marks right. on on stallone's post rocky 2 and pre rocky 3 body the dude is shredded mm. yeah i i found david caruso i felt like he was the conscience I didn't find him ambivalent about it. He consistently from the from the very start was like, hey, let's leave this guy alone, both because he sensed that Rambo was a coiled spring. Mm -hmm. And also he just he was the one that recoiled every time Galt or anybody else kind of abused him, not just because he felt Rambo was a time bomb, but also he was the classic young lieutenant who was like, we can't you can't. Uh, you know, you can't throw this guy into a pit, sir. That's against the Geneva Convention. And sad that we lost him so early in the film, right? I mean, I, I'd forgotten a lot about the movie. And when it started, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was David Caruso. Are we going to get David Caruso all the way through this movie? How amazing. He got a pretty lethal stabbing. He gets the knife in the uh, big vein in the leg. Yeah, he got it in the leg, but I, but we never saw him again. So, But he didn't die, right? Because the only person that died in this entire film was Galt. I remember watching it at the time and also now watching it in this context and trying to trying to bridge that gap of of time to to remember how Vietnam vets were regarded in 1982. It seems almost hard to believe now given the climate, but it, they really were regarded as a pretty grungy bunch of psychos by the by just the sort of base level american vibe they're working menial jobs they're drifters they're damaged even the john carries that came back and got into government and and cut their hair and so forth even they seemed like that like the tarnish of vietnam was on them why did the temperature of the country change towards troops where now like you must be a, a troop respecter. You've got to respect the troops. You got to tie your yellow ribbon around the tree. Like, when did that tenor change? And why? Why was it ever this way back in in the post Vietnam War era? Well, the tenor changed starting with this movie. You know, there were a lot of sort of post Vietnam movies about guys drifting around and so forth. But this movie was a big hit, and it was a hit because it was. It was a Western, right? I mean, it's a classic mm -hmm. Western. The guy comes into a small town. The, it's a corrupt town. And they don't know it's who they're messing with. It's a bad day at Blackrock. Yeah, he's a gunslinger. But this began a process, a, a whole series of movies um, starring Chuck Norris and the subsequent Rambo films, where what they were doing, the, you know, the conceit was that we were going back to Vietnam to rescue our, the POWs. But what we did was throughout the 80s, we refought the Vietnam War in Hollywood. And we refought it where our guys got to be the heroes this time. Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris? At the beginning of the 80s, everybody agreed we had lost the Vietnam War. And that was hard to say. 
because America, America didn't lose wars, but we were, you know, right. we were able to say like we lost the Vietnam War, and that was that was something you get into a fight over if you said that to the wrong person. There's a great uh, scene about that in A Fish Called Wanda, where a British guy is making fun of Kevin Klein for losing the Vietnam War, and he goes, "It was a tie." <laughs> Yeah, we would say that. I heard that a lot. It was a tie. (laughs) But by the end of the 80s, that narrative and the narrative that starts here in in First Blood, where we didn't lose the war, what happened was the the soldiers could have won the war and were winning the war. It was the politicians and the faithless people back home that stranded them there and abandoned them. And that was the start of this like troop worship as separate from respect for the military, right? Like you could love the troops and hate the army. The American public in 1982 were prepared to see John Rambo as the hero of this movie. Because although the cops are bad, they're not total caricatures. They're not your typical sort of racist small town cop that unleashes the vengeance of a Chuck Norris style drifter. You know, Dennehy <laughs> is the star of the film in a lot of ways. Rambo's character doesn't develop at all. He's he's basically like a, he's just acting like a hunted animal the whole film. But Dennehy is the one that goes through, like, like you're saying, uh, Adam, he watches his world crumble. And he's the actor that, you know, that my eye is drawn to on the screen. But somehow the American public was able to watch this movie and maybe their disrespect for the cops or maybe the the trope of the small town sheriff that's an asshole. I think it also has something to do with the casting. I think I think Stallone is an easy entry point into the rooting for an underdog character. At this moment in time, his career constituted uh, the first two Rocky movies, which were the grittiest Rocky movies, the underdog Philadelphia guy Rocky movies. And I think it's easy to root for him in this first Rambo movie because he's so familiar in those ways. And because Dennehy is so great at, at playing an unlikable sheriff character. He is, he is perfectly cast. I think. I knew there was something about that guy. This movie starts with a great scene, which is kind of a combined hint of death and save the cat scene where Rambo is like checking in on one of his war buddies who he was not aware has passed away from like ancient orange related cancer. And so he's he's there to like do this humane thing of follow up on a close friend who he's been through a terrible experience with and instead is just uh, confronted with the fact that his entire unit is now dead. He's the last surviving member. It establishes his humanity right away, doesn't it? Yeah, and it also establishes that he is backed into a corner. Like, he is already psychologically on thin ice before Dennehy is a dickhead to him. He's so vulnerable in that scene. He really is. Stallone gets so much shit for for being the actor, actor that he is today. But you look at this opening scene, and I think throughout the movie he does a lot with very little. But Stallone in the opener is just laid bare as an actor and shows so much expression through his eyes. I thought it was a beautiful scene and affecting. It's so mm-hmm. weird because at that at the start of the at the start of the film, that particular scene, right, where he's just like he's fumbling and he's trying yeah. to convince this woman that he's a friend. And he's like, look, look, I've got a picture. And 
the junk in your pocket improvisation line like makes me smile every time. It's junk in your pocket. Here, here it is. It's a movie with a lot of crazy parts. Like it's got the that opening scene. It's got the it's got the chopper part. It's got the cave part. It's got the crazy wooden traps that he has set in the like 15 minutes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, for about 10 minutes in the middle, this is a horror movie. Like, Dennehy's <laughs> really in the middle of the forest hearing his buddies scream out his name. He can't see what's happening. It's it's terrifying. Well, it's Mitch! John, there's something so familiar about this dark, wet, near-the-mountain-town to me growing up in and around Seattle. Like, did this place just look utter, utterly familiar to you in, it, in the way that it did to me? Yeah, that's the that turf, that that forest and those rivers and hillsides. It's just that's just home country. I think when I first saw the movie, the fact that he finds that gold mine and the, and all that stuff took place in that mine, I was a li- I felt a little bit like, really? Oh, that's nice. You guys found a <laughs> found a cool movie set out there, like a abandoned gold mine. But over yeah. the years, I've come to learn that those hills are full of exactly that kind of abandoned gold mine. It can be a real problem in the in certain parts of the of the face of both of those ranges that you can go up there, kind of just goofing around and just fall down a mine shaft. I love the way he's using the flame to like find, you know, decide which branch in the in the tunnel to go down. Mm-hmm. That's great, like dialogue-free filmmaking where you get to see kind of tradecraft and. You can work out what he's doing without needing somebody to bonk you over the head with what it is. Yeah, without a voiceover. It's also over. a great contrast with the uh, with the National Guard people outside who are just a bunch of chatty Cathy's talking about getting back <laughs> to their drugstore job the next day, you know? Yeah, and like taking taking pictures for, <laughs> for the local paper. Yeah, and they all knew Teasdale. I mean, they're just absolutely like uh, almost too local. Look, I do this part-time. I didn't come here to get killed. Do you get to shoot rocket launchers if you're a part of the National Guard? No, that was com- that was one completely unrealistic moment. <laughs> you saying Earl is not a realistic character in this film? <laughs> no one was willing to take responsibility for this fuck up. You know, you want to step into the leadership vacuum to fix the problem, but you also don't want it to blow back on you. And it looks like that's what was happening here among those three. Troutman's big argument is let the situation cool off. Let him slip away. He's not going to be off the grid for long. We will find him. Did that seem like a plausible way of handling this? You know, here in Seattle, we had a rule, I think, implemented after a couple of really um, high-speed police chases that in, that ended up involving civilian death. I think this may be, this kind of swept the nation even, but that hmm. police stations started to say, like, no more high-speed chases. If the person that you're chasing you know, outruns you, then they can't uh, outrun the radio. Stop this like 120 mile an hour chase through a town because it's too dangerous. So I could, I could see it. I could see that being a reasonable strategy that you would never, that you would never reveal to the, to the news. Speaking of police chases, I really enjoyed the one that followed Rambo's escape from the prison. The motorcycle. That was almost... Yeah, on the motorcycle through the forest while Dennehy's chasing him in the cop car. Like, Teasel's single-minded, almost like, uh, that. you know that uh, Spielberg movie Duel where the guy's being chased by the semi-truck in, like, increasingly unbelievable ways? 
Like that dogged pursuit in that piece of shit cop car, I thought was great. Like he's flying over little jumps before finally like splashing down over a cliff. It was great. I definitely thought at that moment about his budget. Yeah. As the sheriff <laughs> yeah, of that small department. town. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he just completely wasted one whole cop car <laughs> of the three yeah. he had, you know. <laughs> the uh the stunt jump over the railroad tracks fucked up the guy's back who was the stunt driver on that car. Like he was briefly paralyzed when when he got out of the vehicle. Like Oof. he totally flew too far and overshot the landing. Yeah, you you want to try and do that stunt in a Volvo if you can. <laughs> yeah, well, something uh, with good dual crumple zones. When that car f- flew into the air, I I was very impressed having, you know, having watched the era of 70s and 80s stunts pretty carefully. He's f- <laughs> fully 20 feet in the air and and going fast and I I, I was like that's no Duke's a hazard jump. Like that's a fucking stunt. I don't know whether this is true of everybody, but the cop cars that were cop cars when you were a kid seem like they're they're going to be the cop cars forever, right? And the <laughs> yeah. totally the like the towny cop cars, late seventies Ford LTDs, and those really looked like cop cars to me. You know, big time. Yeah. Like that's what a cop car looks like. I haven't seen where have the cops been this whole time. <laughs> and then there's a scene when the when the state troopers arrive and they are in uh like Chrysler's from a couple of years later. And I was like, "Oh, the new cop cars." It made me miss the time when the police cars were painted white instead of super dark blue with tinted windows and brush guards and bars over the windows like this this is an approachable cop car with an approachable cop inside who you know for being such a shitbag was a guy you knew everyone in town and a guy you could approach and ask for help if you needed to that seems to be uh, another thing that has gone away he had that huggable lambskin jacket god that jacket (laughs) so great (laughs) well and and that That 40 lambs died for that jacket (laughs) when he arrives on the scene at the very start of the film, he does literally say hello to every single person in town. Morning, Amy. How you doing, girls? Great, thanks. All right, this morning. And yep. it's clear that he's the he's a a beloved character, and it's confusing because he's such a bully. He's he he's such a bully the rest of the movie, and and then you you review that first scene where he's like, hey hey Frank, hey Bill, and you realize, oh, everybody's saying hi to him, but he's the town bully. He was probably the town bully in high school. Mm, the, t- mm-hmm. the, the townspeople are also afraid of him. And he's got this jocularity because there's never anything at stake. And he can just sort of swagger around and, and get free coffee. And he never actually has to handle anything big. Speaking of coffee, did you notice the scene where uh, Troutman's talking to Rambo over the uh, walkie-talkie? Yeah. And in one of the like, great subtle power moves, uh, Tiesel walks over and has a sip of his coffee and then leaves. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> Takes a sip of yeah. Troutman's coffee? That's yeah. Some, uh, that's some Samuel Jackson eating the guy's burger 
action. <laughs> There's a lot of like subtle stuff in this movie that plays out that way that like, you know, you made fun of me uh, when this movie came up on the list, John, but I ride for this movie as often as I can. I think it is a great movie, like, and not just a great war movie. I think it just rewards careful attention. It's not the stupid movie that was played every weekend on USA, you know, that was edited to death. And when you really sit down and watch it, I feel like, you know, on a DVD properly, I think it's really good. It's not a piece of shit and it's not the sequels. Here's my problem with the film. Krenna. Uh, <laughs> Krenna oh. is the problem. And here's why. From the moment he arrives, I feel like I am watching James Lipton give an, <laughs> give an acting class at a community college. Like Weird Apocalypse Now community theater production. He, What's yeah. your favorite word? Body bag. <laughs> like he, if you look at if you look at the scenes between Dennehy and Krenna, the camera's on Dennehy, and he's like, "God damn it, this is my war, and I'm gonna fight it." And his eyebrows are like where they belong, and his <laughs> eyes are doing things that his eyes would do in that scene. Like he looks like a person who's having that experience. And then the camera goes to Krenna, and he's like, "Listen, I just think that." You should think more about what Rambo is doing. God didn't make Rambo. I made him. His mouth doesn't know whether it wants to smile or frown or he's he's doing he is acting. Different era of actor, I think. He's so such a different era and he's and he just reads to me as so corny. I do not see him as a special forces person. I do. I see him as someone who is selling cravats at Macy's. I don't buy it. Against Dennehy, it just feels like two different. They're in two different movies. Look, I do not disagree with you that his character and his performance almost exists to cut a movie trailer. But he was attached to the movie very, very late. Like they had begun shooting the film before they attached him. I'm not making excuses for the guy. Mm-hmm. I do think mm-hmm. as the movie goes on, he he tempers that a little bit more. I agree. And I, I also believe that Dennehy, you've gotten to know Dennehy for a half an hour before Krenna shows up. And so you're used to a patter that you've gotten up until then. You're used to to the the shared language of the film. And as soon as he arrives, it's it's totally disruptive. He makes it a little bit Force 10 from Navarone. Yeah. Which is a great war movie that I hope we watch. This is right on the line between 70s and 80s. Like, are you going to get a little bit of this bleed in terms of performance by decade? Yeah. And and is this an instance where those things are a little bit more noticeable, noticeably incompatible than than I think you'd get in the late 80s style war movie? For sure. I think that Platoon, one of the reasons that Platoon was such a watershed film was that there was mm-hmm. there weren't any scenes in Platoon that ever let you off the hook. And now yeah. we look at it and it does not seem super gritty. The ante has been upped so much since then. Yeah, right, right. We, it, we've gotten so gritty since then that the fact that a lot of it is just shot in Panavision makes it feel like a movie instead of... But at the time that Platoon came out, it, it blew all of our minds that you could make a film that was that tense... And the worst thing about Platoon is Charlie Sheen, right? He's the <laughs> least believable thing in the whole film. 
movies prior to that, like this amount of grit, I think of a lot a lot of the times it needed a gratuitous clown. And and in this movie we do get the National Guardsmen and they are they're such goobers that we get a right. moment it, it it breaks the tension for us and we get a moment to laugh, even though it's very tense for Rambo at that point. Why do you think Stallone was able to pull this off and Sheen wasn't? Relatively, they were the same age and just as quote unquote good looking. Could you say that Stallone is a better actor? I think I probably could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that Stallone has access to a more animal side of his personality uh, that Sheen would only access later through stupendous amounts of cocaine use. <laughs> right. You want to spend a little more time dealing with yourself. We think of it as so iconic now, but like when he escapes from the town on that motorbike and you realize that it's December, there's snow on the ground and he's yeah. in a t-shirt riding a dirt bike as uh, just completely wrapped out as fast as he can go up into the mountains. He's got to be freezing his ass off. Yeah. And he grabs that tarp off the ground because as he's searching that mining wreckage i was like oh boy is he gonna find some jacket like i'm that's gonna make me mad if he <laughs> i had the same thought right if he finds a good jacket i'm gonna be pissed <laughs> i'm gonna be pissed if he finds a sheepskin coat up here but he finds a, a a ratty old tent or a tarp and he he cuts it with his knife and makes it into a shawl and ties some like electric wire around his waist and then it's like, holy shit, he's Rambo. He just made himself a, a poncho. And then he gets shot and a bullet wings him across the forehead. In the next scene, he shows up with that headband cut out of that same material. And it's like the birth of Rambo. He never yeah. took that headband off again in the rest of his career. Yeah, it's the birth of a superhero. It was pretty they amazing. Found, one of the production stories is they found that piece of, of canvas in the forest on site that was not a prop and they totally used what was there inside that abandoned truck when he put that poncho together wow. well guys do you want to hear a great moment in movie pedantry yes. yeah lay it on me medal of honor winners are awarded a lifetime pension in addition to any veterans benefits which are due to them it is unlikely that john rambo would be a homeless transient as even in 1982, he would have been entitled to amounts of money which would have exceeded the minimum wage for the time. I, 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 <laughs> I feel like that's the, the Medal of Honor thing is the thing that this movie f kind of fails. If you're, I don't think he needed to have won the Medal of Honor for this movie to have worked. But I never got the feeling that John Rambo actually was a homeless drifter. Although at the end he does say, like, I can't even get a job. I felt like he was living that life by choice somewhat. I thought he expressed that to the to the best degree that he could toward the end uh, during his breakdown, where like the sense of belonging that he had during wartime is gone. All of his friends are gone. No one wants to hire him because they don't like vets. Like he need, he's a man without a purpose. And in the absence of purpose, all he deals with is a bunch of bullshit from people who don't like his tribe. You just don't turn it off! It wasn't my war! You asked me, I didn't ask you! One of the things that really helped me enjoy this movie over the long term was the idea that Rambo becomes Vietnam 
embodied you know like he's Mm -hmm. he's the embodiment of that war to the people who see him as a threat or as someone they don't want him want in their town but also as someone who is overmatched and overmanned and outgunned and trapped for him to still come out as the victor in the conflict like makes him another form of the vietnam war he is the jungle and the national guard is the united states military with all of their advanced weaponry that may be reading way way too much into the film but repeated viewings have just sort of have made me like appreciate more and more things about it. And that lately has been a thing that I have returned to as sort of like a thought about the film. If you're listening, Rambo, here's your situation. You are surrounded. Every possible exit has been blocked. Every highway, road, every fire. Do we want to move on to who's your guy? It's everyone's favorite segment, Ben. (laughs) Who's your guy, Ben? There's a scene where the, um, the like state police have shown up and Brian Dennehy is just back from his first scrap in the woods with Rambo. He is real banged up and he's got a medic looking over him and the he and he and the state trooper guy are like having an argument where Dennehy's like, Don't give me that horse shit about your jurisdiction. <laughs> the medic is just like, uh, do you guys want me to step outside? <laughs> Man, I I felt that very keenly. I uh, <laughs> that was you, huh? I uh, I more often than not uh, am wondering if people want me to just <laughs> make myself scarce. So uh, I really connected to that character. It's a, a bit part that that guy really played for all it's worth. There's a lot of guys with a single line in this movie that are there just sure great. Are. Yeah. I was just going to say, my guy was a lot like your guy, Ben. He has a single line. He's in the wrong place at the wrong time. Just as Rambo is escaping the police station, you get a number of vignettes where he's like breaking noses and doing leg sweeps and stuff. (laughs) My guy is a guy with half of a line of dialogue. You see him like walking down a hallway with a coffee going, what the hell is before getting kicked in the stomach? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oh, that guy. For as serious as this movie is, that was a laugh out loud moment. Like that poor guy just heard a commotion and then he gets kicked in the stomach for his trouble. <laughs> when he I love when, that guy. When that scene went by, that was an eye roller for me because <laughs> because we've heard gunshots, we've heard like people getting their asses kicked, guys getting thrown over desks, and this guy's like got his coffee cup. He's just like, say what? Oh, <laughs> He's totally the nothing ever bad happened and hope guy (laughs) yeah john did you have a guy yeah my guy was david caruso he understood what rambo was if not completely he at least instinctively understood what rambo was and he also had the guts he had enough guts to challenge both galt and teasel Mm -hmm. um by the time he gets knifed by rambo he's in open conflict with not just the leaders of the cops, but he's bickering and, and shit talking yeah. with his co-cops all about. I wondered if there was a generation thing too. Mm-hmm. Like he is kind of the same age as Rambo. No, I think he's. Uh, so if you, if you go by the age of the actors, I think Caruso was only 22 in that movie. Oh really? Wow. And, uh, God, and just Rambo baby. is, wow. yeah. Rambo's supposed to be 30 probably. And, uh, and Teasel's supposed to be 50. Troutman's supposed to be 60, right? Like, Troutman's supposed to be a World War II vet, 
Teasel's a, yeah. a Korean War vet. Rambo's a Vietnam vet, but it's ten years after the war, and he's just the he's just the kid, right? He's a kid who's probably nobody ever calls him college boy, but he's got the vibe of somebody that's going to go to college. He sure is the movie's proxy in a lot of ways. He's asking questions that we're asking, like, why can't you just leave him alone? Like, right. what did he ever do wrong? Basically out of the audience mouth. And I'm just, I was just sorry to see him go so early. But at the point at which he disappears from the film, then there's no no leash on Teasel. I like well. that news guy a lot, too, who was like, you can be sure that he's <laughs> completely trapped and there's... <laughs> And it was only the police officer's great training and bravery that <laughs> that made sure this guy was cornered. That was another fun scene. Yeah, his yeah. coat was good, too. There were a lot of good coats in this movie, which is another yeah. reason why Troutman's coat stands out as such a shitty coat. <laughs> good coat film. Generally pretty good. Well, uh, should we select the movie that we shall next watch? Yeah, you get, to, you, get you always get the role, John. If you pick a number one through eight, I can guarantee that there's no no World War II and only one Vietnam, or only two Vietnam movies available to you. All right, well, let's go with number four. Number four is a, uh, a favorite of mine. It is Master and Commander, Far Side of the World, and it is set in the Napoleonic War. This is a 2003 film directed by Peter Weir. Could I uh, admit something to you guys? Yes. I've never okay. seen this movie. Oh, you're kidding Oh, you me. are in for a treat. Yeah. Oh, my God. This is really a good movie. This is one of those I movies, jealous, Adams, Adam. That, they, uh, that, that you'll get done with this movie and you'll say, why have they not made seven sequels to this movie? Wow, I'm excited to see it. Every time I watch it, I wish there were more of them. Mm -hmm. Or that the movie lasted forever. <laughs> it almost does. It's it's a really long movie. <laughs> it's so long it comes on two DVDs. Uh, it, it might. Well, I'm uh, I'm eager to watch it, and that will be the film that we cover next week on Friendly Fire. All right. Boy, you guys have jets overhead all day long over there. Yeah, we do. There are a lot of jets. Does it? Does it, well? I guess they can get edited out, right? Unless we're talking. Yeah, we can. Unless I'm talking. Pot them down. <laughs> Not this one. We want to hear this one. Friendly Fire is a MaximumFun.org podcast, hosted by Adam Pranica, Benjamin R. Harrison, and John Roderick. Produced by Rob Schulte. Our theme music is War by Edwin Starr, courtesy of Stone Agate Music. And our logo art is by Nick Dittmore. If you'd like to continue the conversation online, please use the hashtag FriendlyFire. You can find Ben on Twitter, at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, John is at John Roderick, and Rob is at Rob K. Schulte. Support the production of Friendly Fire by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.